Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. J.C. Sherwood of the Knicks Burr of Inside the Gamecocks once again joins the show. J.C., appreciate you taking the time, my friend. What's going on? Yeah, good to be uh, with you guys today. It's a Tuesday. It's a busy Tuesday. About to head down to the coast uh, of South Carolina. I've got a Carolina Rise event in Georgetown tonight, Charleston tomorrow night. So we'll be good to be amongst the people. One thing I was really jealous of you about, uh, kind of before I got into the collective part of it, Chris, when we were doing media stuff, you know, I, I was in Chicago most of the time. I'd see you going out to Carolina Ale House and <laughs> hanging out with all the great Gamecocks, and uh, it's an honor to get to do that uh, uh, now. Kind of, you know, living in both places at the same time. It's a, it's great to be around. Uh, I guess our people again. Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. I mean, I'm glad you guys were able to do that. I'm sure the event will go well. Uh, JC, again, I appreciate you as always taking the time, man. And obviously, again, glad you're back in the great state of South Carolina. We're going to dive into the Georgia game, talk Mississippi State, all that good stuff. But I want to start a little bit of a different note because I, I've noticed, and I don't know if you have as well, an uptick over the last 24, 48 hours of conversation regarding Gamecocks defensive coordinator Clayton White. What do you make of that? Because a lot of folks are, are throwing up statistics right now of, where the defense sits and the rankings, and they're all as you'd expect, or you probably already know, near the bottom. And I know you and I talked over the summer. This was a big year for Clayton White. But, I mean, where do you sit right now in regards to the Gamecocks defensive coordinator? And, like, what do you make of the chatter on social media? Do you think it's fair, unfair, uh, expected? Like, like, what do you make of all that? I think it's fair. Uh, you know, depending on what the exact – uh, terminology is. I mean, I, I don't know. You're past the point of no return, where you know. All right, they ne- there needs to be a change made. But honestly, I mean, year three. I think turnovers have masked a lot with this defense the last two years. Uh, and and you start looking at individual players, and you know, several have gotten better. You know, but what's the situation up front? Um, why in the second half last week after things are going so well in the first half, uh, did things change? Why in some games does it take until the halftime to make adjustments? Uh, all those are fair questions. And, you know, you, you see something in one or two games, Chris, and, and you go out there and, and bloviate about it uh, on Twitter or whatever, and you're a fan. Yeah, I'm probably not going to agree with, with that. But well, how many games has it been now? Shane Beamer's terms, 29 games here. Clayton White's been his D coordinator for every single one. Uh, and there's certain things that have happened. Um, and so uh, I think it's fair. I, I thought, though, that said, the defense played its best game of the, out of all three of them this year on, 
on Saturday. I mean, a complete game. I mean, Georgia's got a really good a lot of good player on offense. I thought they played tough. I thought, you know, they found some answers and TJ Sanders and some things like that. But uh, as far as the chatter goes, I don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people, you know, I, I'll give everybody a chance. I'll give all coaches a chance. Uh, and, and sometimes those, you know, there's only been one situation where I think midway through a guy's first year, I was like, no, he needs to go. And that was that recent. <laughs> that was in 2021. But, um, you know, I, but I, I think once you get to like year three of a tenure, and the same things continue to happen over and over again, and you have the same concerns. Um, you know, you, 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 the criticism fair. This is big boy football. It's the SEC. You know, Mike Bobo just just called his third game back at Georgia as the OC, and they're ready to run him out of town. You know, there, there's much more extreme examples than a fan base waiting until year three, three games in to say, hey. Some of these things aren't better than they were and they should be, um, you know. And, and I think uh, I think maybe a lot of it, too, has come because the, the defense was so bad at the end of the Muschamp era and, and it did improve to 2021. There's been some individual success stories like like Foster the first year and then Emmett Warren coming in last year as a true freshman in the secondary, and things of that nature. But uh, – the, the the Achilles heel, so to speak. I mean that that's that hasn't really changed. You know, mm-hmm. Carolina played better against the run for a half Saturday, but still it wasn't uh, wasn't where it needed to be. And uh, quite frankly, uh, in the second half, Mike Bobo out schemed Clayton White. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the first half, I thought he got Clayton got the better of Bobo, mm-hmm. uh, which is different. But um, you know, so we'll see. Uh, but I think that's fine. I mean, I think. Uh, you know, and like I'll be the first person to defend a coach. If people are all over Kyle Loggins, and that doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, you know, a coordinator that's been here, you know, and you keep saying over and over, "Well, they need to take that step. They need to take that step." Well, they got to take that step. I mean, I think I think you know, we've all summer, man. Got to stop the run better, and uh, they haven't necessarily done that so far. So they they've got. They got to show marked improvement uh, defense-wise. Um, I think uh, you know for maybe that criticism to go go away. Now, JC, looking back at the Georgia game, uh, a tale of two halves. Obviously, South Carolina jumps all over the dogs and jumps out to a fourteen to three lead at halftime. I, I think all of us. I know my mind was running wild with the thoughts of South Carolina pulling off this great upset and. Uh, what it would mean for Shane Beamer's program, what have you, but also knowing uh, that the Gamecocks had to go toe-to-toe with the number one team in the country, back-to-back national champions for the entire second half, and, and Georgia came out and did exactly what you thought a heavyweight fighter like them would do. I mean, they punched you right in the face, and then they punched again. They see the, they they were waiting to see if you would respond, and that response, unfortunately, never came. But a, a game in which, J.C., I think you can take a lot of positives from, but also very frustrating, right, especially with the fan base when you feel like, Victory was right there in your grasp, and you let it slip away. So, all in all, when the dust settles, now that we've had some time to think, JC, like, what are your main takeaways offensively, defensively? Some of the positives you saw, things you can build on, and are there still some things that linger that maybe frustrate you? You know, for example, JC, I, I thought maybe the second half game plan, like you mentioned, I just I wasn't sure. It didn't feel like South Carolina exhausted every option, every opportunity, like. 
it felt like the Gamecocks stopped playing like big underdogs, and it was like you still are that big underdog. Like, you know what I'm saying? So some people think maybe they left some things out there on the field. You're just overall thoughts on the day that was in Athens because when you look at the final score, you would say, okay, 10-point loss, that's encouraging, but a lot more frustration than you'd expect because you had such a great opportunity to pull off that upset. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I'll tell you what I think. Uh, I, I kind of look back the last 20 years, 23 years, because uh, I'm of the opinion a new era of Carolina football started in 2000. Really, um, that's kind of the year that you know Holtz turned it around, and ever since that point, the stars have been increasingly rising. Right from where they used to be, where boy, they may they may there may have been ten thousand people at the airport or the bus stop when the team got home for playing the number one team in the country within ten points at some point. <laughs> Uh, now people are pissed off. <laughs> yeah, it's good. That's a good thing. Expectations are good. And so uh, I think, number one, my house standards have changed, and that's good. I think that's a positive. Uh, I think, number two, it's, it, it's good that people are upset uh, within the program because they lost the game and not just sitting there going, oh, well, we played them close. Good for us. Pat us on the back. Uh, because they lost because of mistakes. You know, they made critical errors at critical times. Um, there were four moments in the game, each one of them critical error. Uh, the hold on, on the kickoff return, uh, along with the Georgia kid making a great play. The Georgia kid making a great play on X is recruiting. The hold is mental, okay? The drop by Trey Knox, that can't happen if you're upset a top-ranked team. Uh, Rattler taking a sack. Oh, when they're in field goal range to tie the game and quiet the crowd, make that happen. Uh, and then really uh, the fourth one that I picked up on, because, Chris, it was still a 10-point game. You score a touchdown, you kick an onside kick. Who knows what what could happen there? Uh, Mitch Jeter is a good enough kicker to to get you back in it. Josh Simon catches a, what, a 22-yard Catch and run down to the or nineteen something like that down to the Georgia Georgia twenty two yard line. I mean, even when you can even kick a field goal and then be down a touchdown, they kick an onside kick, right? Uh, and it was a holding penalty on Jakai Moore. Uh, and so that prevented that. I don't I don't, don't want to say that South Carolina lost because I think Georgia played really really well in the second half, won the game, but that's what prevented South Carolina from 
maybe taking it down to the wire and, and being in position to perhaps pull the upset at the end. Uh, because by the end, 10-point game, that was it. So uh, that's why people are mad. Um, I do think there were some answers that were found on both lines of scrimmage uh, for two individuals that won awards this week, and rightfully so, T.J. Sanders' defensive tackle. Um, I, I think sometimes players, if you see them in a game and you've kind of been waiting on them to break out, Chris, and they have that breakthrough moment, uh, I think that um, – that sometimes facilitates comfort uh, and confidence the next time out. And then you kind of see him go. Well, if you think back to last week, T.J. Sanders, finally the first guys that got a sack all year. I think he may have the first sack all year for Carolina uh, against Furman. Mm-hmm. And then you saw what he did. Um, you know, Blake on the other side, by the way, oh, a receiver, that first touchdown against Furman. And then you saw him in for juice. Uh, but back to, back to Sanders. He's a guy that we've been waiting to break out for a long time. There's an answer at D-tackle. Now, I don't know how you split it up with Boogie and Huntley and Elijah Davis and him. Uh, my guess is you should probably consider sliding, either staying in the three-man front or, or, or sliding Taka back out. Uh, but we'll see how – TJ has to be on the field now. I mean, that dude – I haven't seen a D-tackle play that, that individually since probably Javon Kinlaw against Georgia four years ago at yeah. South Carolina. And then on the offensive side – Man, what can you say about Big Tree Babalade? I'm going to enjoy saying his name too, Big Tree Babalade. <laughs> that's a, that's just a pimp name. It just rolls off your tongue, Babalade. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, I mean, the kid gets in there and uh, starts left tackle. And, and keep in mind, Chris, as a recruit, this guy was highly touted, but he wasn't a top 50 guy or anything. He was just like a top, maybe top 300 guy. Some people had him as a high three-star. Most people thought he was a guard. He gets to their left tackle in the SEC against the number one team in the country as a freshman. I guess the defense, by the way, it really stresses the tackles because they do do they do have those looping pressures that they do, delayed misses and things. And guy didn't give up a sack and blocked well. It looked like he belonged, right? So those are two answers. So I, I think that, that's uh, that's what I took away from it. And, I, and you know, and I also thought I. I I don't want to sit here and say, oh, Georgia's not very good because of what they did against Carolina, because Carolina had something to do with it. But I'll say this watching Georgia three, you know, going back, watching their first two games against the Cupcakes, watching them against Carolina, they remind me a lot more of Mark Rick's Georgia right now than Kirby Smarts. Um, so maybe it's because, but it's Bobo's offense again, it's kind of back in the future formationally and stuff. Uh, with one exception, I think that they're doggone talented at receiver. Um, and we probably didn't see a whole lot of that uh, uh, against South Carolina. And I also think South Carolina's secondary played really well. But, um, you know, I, 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 you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I took that away on Georgia. Is these guys don't look quite as dominant as the last two years' teams. But they are extremely Extremely talented. I mean, those Michael Williams, Camario Lassiter, my God. Mm-hmm. You know, those Malachi Starks. I mean, those are ballers. So, JC, the running back position, the running back room as a whole has been one that's been a talking point this week. Um, you know, when you've had the issues up front that you've had, it makes it really, really tough to generate any sort of running game. That was the case on Saturday. And of course, Give credit to Georgia's defense. They're fantastic. But this has been an issue all year. 
what's your take on the running back room? Should there be a change at RB1? I, I think there's been some some unfair criticism thrown to Cabrion Joyner's way, lumping it all, you know, all on him, if you will. But to be fair, from what we've seen thus far, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, JC, but it feels as if DK is a guy that when he meets contact, he goes down rather quickly. And a guy like, let's say, Mario Anderson, who has been a big-time RB1 before, he meets contact. He seems like he's able to get that extra two or three yards. I mean, do you think there should be some shuffling in the running back room or – I'll ask you this simply point blank. What has to change for South Carolina to get some sort of rushing attack going? Because they're obviously going to throw the football this year and throw it a lot with Spencer Rattler, but you got to find some balance at some point. Yeah, I think, I think South Carolina, it's kind of they, – they have sort of the same situation Georgia did last year, but not as – they're not dealing with like four uber-talented guys. They're dealing with four guys that – you know, kind of have specialties and, and do what they do. Um, and I think it's up to Dowell Loggins. Uh, probably not even – I don't know that it's something the running backs coach will or, or wants to do or can do or whatever. Uh, we'll see, you know, but I, I don't know whose decision this ultimately is uh, to kind of figure this out because you, you can rotate for and get away with it and actually be quite good at it. Georgia's done it, Alabama. A lot of other schools that are pretty good teams have done it. But what you can't do is – have to be kind of subtle enough and nuanced enough to where, you know, you're not tipping your place. In other words, oh, five's in, that means it's going to be a pass. Oh, this guy's in, run. Oh, this guy's outside, run. Um, you got to kind of figure the, the way out. But I would play all four. Um, and, and here's what I do. You know, between the 20s, uh, Mario Anderson would be my guy. I think that's a guy that uh, if you're talking about who can be the back carry 17 times for – 90 yards or whatever, be your, your running game from the running back position. Uh, I think it's him. And I, I think that, you know, no matter what happened in practice or whatever in the games, uh, the few times he's been able to run, I mean, beautiful. He drug his whole team down the field <laughs> the other day. He's compact. He's small to the ground. He's hard to tackle. Um, he hits the hole hard. He's got quick feet. Uh, he'd probably be about a, you know, second or third team back most places. But at South Carolina this year, I think he, he is RB1. Um, now, I say that, does that mean he needs to be in the starting lineup and out there first? I don't care. <laughs> you can start DK. Oh, well, I mean, because uh, here's what DK brings to the table. DK can catch out of the backfield. He's been really solid with that. He can pass block really well. He's better than that. He's got quick feet. He's a team leader. Um and, and so inside the 20s or inside the 10 or the red zone, uh, I don't necessarily mind DK coming in because what he does do really well as a running back, ball carry, whatever, is he sniffs the end zone pretty good. He can find the end zone, especially short yardage goal line. He gets it there. There's a reason he's got – leads the team in touchdowns right now, three. Um, you know, and like I said, he does pass block well. He does catch the ball well. So, yeah, maybe like a rotation between the 20s or something. I, I would definitely try to – Mario more carries if you're looking to run it and get down the field. And then I, I think this whole notion that Juju McDowell is somewhere on the running back chart uh, after watching him two years uh, and coming into this year, look, Juju is, is, is not a guy that you go RB1, RB2, RB3. He's like RBX, like that, like, like he's, he's, it's his own guy. I mean, he's a, he's a specialty gadget player, third down back, 
uh, all-purpose guy, whatever you want to call Juju McDowell, you know, line, you know, lining him up and asking him to go do the things at his size that you're asking your other backs to do is preposterous. It's preposterous. It's not his game. It never has been. It never will be. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure they are asking him to do that. I'm just saying that you know you, you can't you can't like evaluate Juju like you do the other guys. And then with Braswell, you know, there's really no excuse why uh, you can't. Uh, he he hasn't. Um, you know, let me back up. There's there will be no excuse. Be no excuse. I'm going to foreshadow it. Um, why he can't play? They can't get him ready to play this year, starting this week. Um, whereas with DK, when there is a hole and DK hits it and he gets tracked down from behind for eight, seven, eight, nine yards, Braswell's they're not catching him. You know, so uh, you know, get him ready. You know, because you, you got to keep trying different things uh, in the run game to go. On. I think they will. I think Chris in a couple of weeks will be sitting there talking about, ah, oh, yeah, remember that time we were all worried about the run game? You know, so uh, that's just kind of the way college football seems to be working out this season. Mm-hmm. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering For your favorite team, whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is. Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. JC, I'm going to ask a question to you that I've been asked about a thousand times since Saturday and all throughout this season. 
What is the latest on Nicholas Harbor? When do you think realistically we could see him start to make an impact? Because fans are just clamoring for him. And I, and I, and I think those of us who know understand the reasons why he's not out there because he is a true freshman who is still learning the ropes, who, you know, it's not like he came in as a polished wide receiver, but fans don't want to hear that, right? All they can see is six foot five, 242, runs a 10, three, 100 yard dash, whatever all the measurables are. And, you know, they see Luke Doty, a ball just go over his outstretched arms and think to themselves, hmm, I wonder if Nick Harbour would have caught that. So what what's yeah. your thoughts on him, his development? When, like, when do you think – do you think fans are going to get what they want to see at some point soon where they'll start to see him out there making an impact? I, I think so. Uh, you know, look, I was surprised he played nine snaps. I thought – I was encouraged by that, that he played nine snaps. I didn't expect him to play at all. So that means he's – made some some noise in practice. There's a couple of things. First and foremost, people need to quit getting mad about Luke Doty being out there. Luke, Luke Doty's played really well. Uh, yes, he started above Eddie Lewis. Eddie Lewis, though, played 35 snaps to Luke's 20. Uh, you know, Luke's called everything that's been thrown his way. I know he didn't quite get to one or two, but, uh, you know, look, people need to back off Luke Doty. Mm-hmm. And then number two, Nick is an outside guy. Luke's a slot. Nick's not going to come in. Luke does, regardless, is it, if that's your dream, uh, it's not going to happen even if Nick plays. Uh, number three, look, Nick Harbor did not enroll for spring ball early. He he wasn't there for summer one. He, he didn't get there until summer two. So he's had one less of a summer session than a lot of these guys have had. And then during fall camp, he got hurt, Chris, and he was on the sidelines for like two, three weeks. Didn't really get back until, uh, you know, the UNC and then Furman uh, played against Furman, called a touchdown, whatever, uh, and then got nine snaps against Georgia, which I thought was good. Uh, this whole notion that the coaches need to, like, design a slant, I kept saying, well, just throw him a slant and see what happens. Well, well what if – you know, he's got these big gangly arms. What if he sticks it up there? It doesn't stick. Ball goes on his hands. It maybe hits him in the helmet. Uh, you don't think that bunch is going to pick it and return it for a touchdown at Georgia? I mean, you, you going over the middle against those guys is, is a losing proposition. And with a six-foot-five freshman that doesn't know where to go, he, he get cut in half. I mean, you know, you gotta you got to kind of use it. I, I – uh, yeah, somebody, somebody asked about an end around or something. Well, okay, fine, I, you know, but he's still 6'5 and a big target for a big hit. So you want to make sure he holds on to the ball and all that stuff. So he'll get to play more and more as the year goes on. And I think, uh, you know, it, it, he'll be another good playmaker. But, you know, this notion that the coaches somehow are making mistakes by not playing the guy, uh, that's just, that's, that's kind of void of reality. And, you know, maybe I'd feel a little different too uh, if he hadn't missed all that practice time, if he didn't roll in the spring and that spring practice like everybody else, if he'd had summer one. Uh, but you, you think about the amount of time, like a, uh, you know, like a, like a Tyshawn or a, or, a, or a Lenore Sellers or Pup Howard has been here at Carolina. That dwarfs the amount of time Nick Hart's been in South Carolina, uh, act, actively developing for the sport of college football. So nine snaps, if you're a Nick Harbour fan, you want more, you should be jumping for joy over nine snaps because that's uh, that means he's doing something right and they're trying to work it in. 
Now, JC, we look ahead to this weekend. South Carolina returns home to the friendly confines for the SEC home opener against the Mississippi State Bulldogs, a team right now, JC, in transition. Obviously, RIP, the late great Pirate, and right now, Zach Arnett, I think, doing the best he can, but it's a brand-new offense with Kevin Barbe. We saw them last week against LSU really, really struggle, and I mean – Will Rogers' numbers, right? I mean, he's trying to grasp this brand new offense. A guy that before this year had had never, you know, run out of under center, had never turned his back to a defense, right? Run any sort of play action, had been in this air raid system his entire life, and you know, we're seeing that numbers reflect that the transition Mississippi State near the bottom in all the offensive categories statistically, South Carolina near the bottom in all the defensive categories statistically when it comes to the SEC rank. So. Something's got to give on Saturday. The way Spencer Rattler's playing obviously factors in this game. Uh, we now know, by the way, JC, this coming from Shane Beamer's presser that is happening happening right now, Juice Wells is indeed out this week. We know 100% he is out, saw a specialist. Uh, it isn't a season-ending injury, but Juice Wells is going to be out for this football game. So, first off, your thoughts on Mississippi State, because I think a team that's a veteran-laden team – and. When you have a quarterback like Will Rogers, you have a chance. Um, they've got some experience in the trenches, what have you. But South Carolina, J.C., favored in this football game. You know, you're in a similar spot to last year, right? You come home, a one-and-two record. This is a game I think must win gets thrown around way too much. But this is a pivotal game for the prospects of South Carolina's 2023 season. Your overall outlook on the SEC home opener and what you're expecting to take place Saturday night at Williams-Brice. Well, it's sort of like this, Chris. Like South Carolina's strengths are kind of Mississippi's weaknesses. Mississippi State's weaknesses. You, you look at, at their past defense; it's just been getting lit up most of the year. Arizona had three. Arizona threw four picks, mm-hmm. but still had three hundred something yards through the air and ended up tying the game, sending it in overtime. And then LSU, Beavers and Daniels and that bunch just annihilated them down in Starkville. Um, on the other side uh, of the ball, I think that their strength obviously is running it. I don't know. I mean, I've seen this at schools before, man. I mean, I go back to Florida and Rex Grossman. Uh, you know, Ron Zook comes in. Grossman's coming back. He comes back and plays. Uh, and then it's a completely different offense, different than what they did. They want to do something different. And he struggled. Anthony Wright of South Carolina struggled mightily when they tried to like move him from the fast break offense to this whatever the hell heck, excuse me whatever the heck Chuck Reedy was trying to run terrible terrible it was one of the worst coaching decisions ever was to bring him in uh, and that happened here uh, you know you, you've seen situations where you know guys get accustomed to a system and then they're asked to do another system like later on and, and they just can't adjust. And then things are not good all of a sudden. I'm, I'll, I'll throw another one out there. Larry, I think Larry Smith with Vanderbilt. Uh, Van had won nine games two years in a row. Uh, and, you know, James Franklin goes to Penn State. Here comes Derek Mason with a bunch of guys back, re- tries to reinvent the wheel, and um, they end up going 0-8 in the SEC. Uh, I, I, that's kind of – I've always liked Zach Arnett as a D coordinator, but – uh, you know, I, I, I was a little uncomfortable, you know, when he went and changed the offense like that. I was like, well, you spent three years recruiting to this, and now you're going to change it. Will Rogers, to me, has always been the perfect cleach correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. 
you remember he was a true freshman and he steps in and all of a sudden their offense starts going again uh, back there in 2020. You're asking them to do things that are unnecessary. I don't like that. Um, and then you got Mike Wright, the backup that's uh, was it that gave Carolina so much, much trouble that runs the ball a little bit. That's intriguing. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him quite a bit uh, Friday. So Mississippi State's kind of an interesting thing. Here's what you worry about if you're Carolina. Number one, if I'm Shane Beamer and uh, I win the toss, I'm taking the football. And here's why. What you want to avoid is Mississippi State lining up with Joquavius Marks, their running back, and then their other back, running a little pink and dunk play action, getting five, six yards of carry, going on a 10-play, 75-yard drive, and melting half the quarter away. And then you're down 7 nothing with half the quarter gone and the crowds out of it and everything else. You know, that's, gonna, that's not going to be a good start. Whereas I think if you put the ball in Spencer's hands, uh, you know, you'd probably get down there, get him fired up real quick with his, as, as iffy as Mississippi State is uh, defensively. So, fascinating game. I, I, you know, I don't think South Carolina is going to blow them out. Uh, I think South Carolina should win and will win uh, unless they, you know, have a ton of mistakes again. Uh, the weather could be a factor, maybe not. Uh, but uh, I think this is one that sets up, you know, at home, at night, uh, I think as long as the game guys get off to a good start, this one sets up uh, pretty well for Carolina. Admittedly, JC, this one feels like to me a game that gets kind of weird. I, I could see Beamer Ball finally showing itself, like special teams. I, I just, I, I think this. And, and before we close, JC, I'll close out with this and see if you agree. I, I, I just, this game to me is so important for South Carolina and, and Beamer's program because we, we've seen the Gamecocks in this spot before, J.C., and we've seen them fall flat on their face. And, I, and I'm not trying to pull skeletons out of the closet or, or speak any negativity out there. But like, I just really want to see, right, what's the thing that's plagued this program over the last couple of years? It's consistency. And so, like, I just want to see a football team that, okay, you went toe-to-toe with Georgia, disappointing loss, no moral victories, but you did some positive things. Are you able to, seven days later, build off of those positive things and not have one of those? And you know what I'm talking about, JC, one of those just maddening, mind-numbing losses where it's like you just reverted back to all the bad Mm -hmm. stuff you were doing. You know what I mean? So, like, that's what I want to see more than anything, right? I just – and admittedly, I don't know if it's my PTSD or what, but, like, I I am nervous going into this football game. Everybody expects Keanu to win. They should win. But it's like, go actually do it. You know what I mean? So – yeah, it's kind of like one of those uh, – it, it'll go one of two ways. It'll either go kind of like Missouri in 2019. I mean, but, but that game was out there. Come to find out, you know, there was a lot going on or whatever and, and all that. That's Because that, 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 that was kind of the alarm bell for that season um, because that dropped the game cost to one and three, and you're sitting there wondering how you're going to get to six. Uh, you know, it also – you know, it's time to win. I mean, you know, it's not – yeah, the Georgia game, Carolina did some great things. They got better. They, uh, you know, they played Georgia tough. They, you know, found some answers some places. But, man, they didn't win the game. So, you're one and two. You got to go win the game. I mean, you know, they, they, this team needs a win. This program needs a win by any means necessary. So, uh, I think that's, that's the thing to look for when you're talking about the uh, – you know, kind of the weirdness and letdown and all that is, you know, the, these guys need to remember, you know, the players and, and everybody involved, that, that you have not won. 
you know, so therefore, you know, you, you, you need to get out there and make sure you get it done. And there should be no reason for a late, but this team should be playing like their hair's on fire because they want to have that first SEC victory that bad. JC, one final thing, and I appreciate you being gracious with your time. When you look at the madness in the SEC, the craziness, the uncertainty, I mean, how does it change maybe your perception of the the rest of South Carolina's schedule, the quote-unquote gauntlet, if you will? Because I, I think there's some games – it's interesting, right? This happens, I guess, on a on a weekly basis. But there's some games now that maybe looking are, are looking a little bit more winnable than they once were. And, you know, maybe there's some games that look a little bit tougher. To, but does it change your perception at all? And can you remember a season where we had this level of, of craziness, not just in the SEC, but college football as well? Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things when you look at it. It's uh, I think it presents opportunity, Chris, uh, if you're a person like South Carolina, because you know you're not. There's not that hard ceiling, you know what I'm saying, with a lot of these teams, and you know you kind of look and uh, well, you know, A and M has flaws. Uh, well, uh, you know, Tennessee's got flaws, obviously. Yeah, Vanderbilt was not man enough to go into Allegiant Stadium and beat the running Rebels of UNLV. Uh, they're not that good. Um, you know, and then you know, Alabama, Ole Miss, all those teams that the guys don't play uh, obviously have been up and down. So uh, I think I think whatever the league is like this, it presents an opportunity for your South Carolinas of the world simply because, you know, who whatever team decides they want it and jumps up and grabs it and takes it, that's who's going to get it. Uh, this year uh, when all is said and done because there's not really a dominant, dominant team. Indeed. J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur of Inside the Gamecocks joins us every single Tuesday. J.C., great stuff as always, my friend, and look forward to talking with you guys on Thursday. Thursday. All right, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate all you folks out there watching. See you. Appreciate you, J.C. Take care.